Father, we thank you for your awesome presence and your grace. Thank you for your constant love for us. And you watch over us all the time. And uh, you love us certainly um, more than we realize. And uh, it is amazing. I pray that we would never lose our sense of awe at your love for us. Because it's um, so undeserved at times, and yet we're made in your image. And so you want to restore us to what we should be in you. And we thank you that you don't give up on us, that you're faithful, and you pursue us. This morning, Lord, we thank you for this time that we can be together as uh, part of your body. And this morning, we want to ask you to be with Dennis in his travels and in his ministry. Pray that you give him strength and insight, that you protect him from any schemes of the enemy to waylay the effectiveness of his uh, ministry there, that you would uh, keep him in good health and in, in power of your spirit to work the works uh, that you've sent him to do. We pray that you would uh, bless and open doors for the people who are hungry spiritually in that area for some truth. And I pray for good fruit that would result from his, his effort. And I pray for this project, too, that uh, they're doing at his house. I pray for your favor upon it. I pray for things to work smoothly in, in that way so that that can come to completion quickly. And Lord, we lift up these events of kindness that uh, we as Christians are called to do. And I pray that uh, through the light that you've deposited in this body, that it would shine brightly and that your people, especially in this place, would love to be kind and do good things. And now, Lord, uh, we come to your word, your word that is good, and we pray that you would feed us. We pray that you would uh, give us something that would strengthen our spirit and direct our steps, encourage our hearts. And I, I pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, which is able to do so much more than uh, what I could do. You are able to take these words and to uh, touch a heart in the way that's needed. So God, we yield to your effectiveness of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we know it's nothing that I could say that is of good, but we pray that you would take these words and these efforts and, and make them something beautiful out of them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, and rather provoke you, in your thinking about the kingdom of God. Um, it's, the kingdom of God is something that Jesus introduced when he was here. He talked about it. In fact, he encouraged us when we pray to have that phrase, which is from the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. It's something that we should be asking for and we should be looking for. And I believe I have to provoke you, me, most Christians, to be thinking a lot about kingdom because it's something that we're not especially familiar with. I've, I've uh, distributed several verses out into the congregation and uh, I want to just, a lot of them have to do with uh, the kingdom of God, and how Jesus spoke about it. And that's what we're going to be interested in. The first one is from Mark 1, verse 15. I don't know your name. Thanks. Would you mind reading that? Sure. I'm, um, 
This is actually Jesus' first message in the Gospel of Mark. And could you read it again? It was so short. Imagine a sermon that short. Now, many of you are hoping that I could be like Jesus today <laughs> and be that short, but uh, I can't. But, he said, but it's interesting, he says, truly I say to you, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the whole message. He announces the proximity of the kingdom of God and, and also the entrance into it, repentance and belief in the gospel. The repentance and belief is something that, I want to be blunt with you, I think we all have to do this morning, especially in regard to kingdom and our understanding of it. Because naturally, as Americans, we have some impediments and deficiencies in understanding kingdom life. I mean, we don't live in a kingdom, right? We um, are historically, uh, we rebelled from a kingdom. In fact, this nation was founded on that seed of sedition to free ourselves from the, the tyranny of a king. And we celebrate our independence from a king. Ironically, this doesn't translate very well into a spiritual reality. Thomas Paine wrote in, in one of his uh, expositions called Common Sense, and I believe it was in 1776, he was published as he said, the stronger we become as a republic, the less need we have of a king. And while that's true of us for a nation, we celebrate the freedom uh, that we have for a spiritual idea for us to come under the rule of another is what the kingdom of God is all about. And I believe that's one of our greatest impediments as Christians, as American Christians, in becoming really alive in the kingdom of God, is to understand that there is a king under whom we yield and give ourselves. Because as Americans, we would much rather be free and do what we want. And I believe we as Christians love to do what we want and, and believe in God. We, we love to keep our independence and, and say we believe in God as long as he doesn't interfere with how we live or how we respond. Do you see, is there a possibility for some of that truth in, in, in us? It's in me. I'll tell you, I don't want to just say, I'm not just saying this, it's like I'm pointing the finger. When I, it's, it's, I see this in me. This whole, I love to do what I want. I love to be in charge of my own life. But when we come to Christ, the kingdom of God, part of what is involved in that is the authority of the king over our lives. And so entrance into it, is, as that verse was read in Mark, is to repent of that and be willing to shed our own idea of self-service and get into the kingdom. So Culturally, it's ironic, I think, that our country was founded in, in, in freeing ourselves from a, a, a king. And, uh, how ironic that today our government is as oppressive or more so than a king itself. And what is that? But, but the ways of man, I believe, have always and 
will they seem what seems right to a man always leads to death. And unfortunately, that's the path or the course that America is on with the size of government becoming as oppressive and almost not quite tyrannical, but in some ways it will be perhaps an oppressive upon our lives. And there is a need for freedom again. But that's a cultural discussion. I want to talk mostly about spiritual things. The idea of the kingdom of God is, in fact, a spiritual discussion. And I believe that's another reason why, as Americans, we struggle with the idea of kingdom thought. The king has come, so we repent and enter the gospel. A second verse that is in uh, the gospel of Luke, I believe verse 12. Who has has that one? Yeah, would you read that for us, Dave? Here Jesus not only announces the kingdom, but he says that your father delights to give you the kingdom, which implies, if you could think of uh, stories with where there is a king, I love the story of Shrek. Have you ever read those, you know, those great little movies? I think he's one of my favorite characters in all those great stories. There's, there, are, there are kingdoms in there, and the ideal kingdom is where everyone is taken care of. You know, that's, that's what we think. In a good kingdom, the king guards all the people and everybody's happy. In the kingdom of God, there is a sense where God wants to include you in all the blessings of the kingdom. All the rights and privileges of being a son of the king are incorporated in what God thinks. And it's his idea that he wants to include you. According to this verse in Luke, we see the king who is delighted to give you the kingdom, to include you in it with all the rights and privileges that belong to the kingdom of God. So even though as Americans we want to say, I don't want anybody governing our lives, we see in the goodness of God a great opportunity to give ourselves to someone who is entirely good. We can yield our life and and surrender and trust, as Jesus did, his own life to the Creator, we can entrust our life to a God who is entirely good. And that's the kingdom, and God delights to give us the kingdom, which include rights and privileges of the Son. Remember the sword of the prodigal? Coming back, getting a ring that has authority, giving clothes that, have, that help his appearance. I mean, I believe in the kingdom, we are meant to be restored to who we are in Christ. Beautiful, whole people full of the Holy Spirit and power. This is what what God had in mind. And the idea in this verse is God wants you to have the kingdom. It's not something we should fear being ruled by a king. Rather, it's something that we can say, this is a good thing, to yield ourselves and give ourselves completely to the king. But we, um, another reason that we have a hard time understanding the nature of the kingdom, because in its essence, it is spiritual. There's a verse in Romans, uh, chapter uh, 14. Somebody have that one? The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Wouldn't it be great if it were? <laughs> I mean, really, if, if that was the whole kingdom of God, it's just like good food, good drink. 
I'm there. I'm totally into that. I would enjoy it. We all would. In fact, we do, we do thrive on our, our food. But in this context, it's not saying that the kingdom of God is not food and drink. In fact, it's not made of what we drink because in the context they're talking about eating certain foods and not eating certain foods to honor God. And a lot of times we try to measure spirituality or what I would call life in the kingdom with do's and don'ts. What we should do, what we shouldn't do. What looks good, what doesn't look good. How we dress, how we wear our hair. All of these things. The kingdom of God is not made up of such rules and regulation. And it's not about food and drink. It is about, instead, three things that are named here that are, uh, in their essence, invisible. Their qualities, their values, their intangibles. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And here's where, as natural people, it's difficult for us to understand kingdom life. Because you and I would much rather sink our teeth into a nice steak than to digest righteousness. You know, we would much rather take a nice, cool, refreshing drink of tea than to be satisfied with peace. It's easier to uh, to get enjoyment out of a great meal than it is perhaps to have the the joy of the Lord as our exercise in our life. But that's what the kingdom of God is. It's not the things that are seen, like food and drink, things that we can handle, things that we can taste. The kingdom of God is made up of things that are invisible, qualities, righteousness, values, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we are living in the kingdom... These qualities of righteousness, peace, and joy are trademarks of our experience. So it strikes me then in the church of Jesus Christ that there's a problem. If righteousness and peace and joy are hallmarks of life in the kingdom of God, why aren't more Christians living in these things? Right? I mean, righteousness, I don't think we even know what that means anymore. To be righteous. And peace. Do we, we live in anxiety as a, as a culture. And when we're overcome by anxiety and stress, we're, we have somehow dismissed the peace of, of God. And that's part of the kingdom. So there's an element of the kingdom that is not easily understood, but it's by faith, because it's not seen like food and drink is seen and tasted. But it is experienced, righteousness is. Righteousness is a gift that God gives us and that we are to walk in. Peace is a gift that God gives us that we are to enjoy. And that peace of God is to rule in our hearts and lives. That's, that's what life looks like in the kingdom and the joy of the Lord. That song, I'm Trading My Sorrows, is a great reminder for me today. Because, you know, it's sometimes I've, especially lately, I've been not really joyful, a little more on the depressed side of things. And it's a good reminder that in the kingdom, 
what do we, what do we lack in Christ? We might lack a lot in, in life. And, but in Christ, we have everything. So we trade our depression or our weight of failure or whatever we carry for the joy of the Lord. And you know what? That looks crazy. It looks irrational. But it's, it's faith-filled. And that's the entrance to the kingdom. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the kingdom of God is made up of these things that are, are intangible. Second Corinthians, there's another verse that says that. Who has that? Sue. So here's another contrast that causes us, when we think kingdom, that we have to shake off the natural mind. Because the kingdom of God is, is uh, what is not seen. And when Jesus was on the earth, he, he dealt with realities, of physical realities of people, in a means of power that was unseen, spiritual power. And, and for example, I read the other day that there was a woman um, who was made sick by a, a spirit for 18 years so that she was bent over and hunched over. And on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, and he said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid hands on her and prayed. And immediately she stood up and was, was able to stand up again. Now, that, that physical symptom was a spiritual uh, cause. According to the scripture, her sickness was caused by a spirit. I believe it's the only place in the New Testament where sickness is attributed to a spirit. And it's so interesting in our culture today that there is so little awareness of spiritual forces, especially in health reasons, approaching people with medicinal or mental problems. There is very little attention to the spiritual realm. Does this mean that in the time of Jesus, people were more primitive and that's just what they thought? And now we've modernized and there's less of that? The rational American would say so. And that's our culture. And I believe some of that has inculcated our own idea of, and worldview of how we look at the world. But the kingdom of God is unseen. Of all the things that are physical, there is a spiritual reality within and around all the, all the elements of the, of the earth. And it takes an eyes to see that truth, that there is a spiritual reality at work. And when Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, this is what he's referring to, this reality of a world that is spiritual, unseen, powerful, and has its effect on people. And I love that story of the woman hunched over because Jesus sets her free from a spiritual ailment that affects her physical body 
And that is what the kingdom does. There is life in the kingdom that is physical, spiritual. It's whole. It's wholeness. And that's what Christ brings in the kingdom. And I believe that we are meant to bring this with us wherever we go to. Jesus' first sermon was, repent. Uh, truly I say to you, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. But then he, he sent out, later in his life, uh, 70 people, 35 pairs, some, maybe 36 pairs of people, and gave them specific instructions to go out and what to do. Luke 10, 9, who has that verse? That's Jeff. When Jesus sent out these 70 people, he gave them these instructions. He gave several other things he said to do. They sent them out two by two and, and told them not to bring anything but to rely completely on God for uh, their travels. And then uh, he said, heal the sick and proclaim to them that the kingdom of God is near. When was the last time you told someone that the kingdom of God is near? Have you ever said that? See, and this is what I mean, that I think we've lost something in our mentality as Christians and what we proclaim and what Jesus was trying for us to, uh, to proclaim, that the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean for us to go and say to someone, the kingdom of God is at hand? It's good news. Jesus said it's the gospel, and the gospel is good news. When the kingdom of God is at hand, it means that there is liberation from our sin. It means there is freedom from bondage. It means that there is healing for individuals. And all of these things we are meant to carry. And I think the church of Jesus Christ is anemic. And I'm me. We are anemic. That is without power, without the oomph of the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom news to the world in which we live. If Jesus were here, he would be doing these things. He would speak the kingdom of God to people, which would be good news that they could be set free from bondage by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are meant to bring that same message with the power of the Holy Spirit to individuals who are laid low. It's the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I believe that God's delight is to give you the kingdom. I think he wants us to walk like Jesus walked. And to, didn't Jesus say, he who believes in me, the things that I will do, the works, he, the works that I do, he will do also? Greater works than these, because I go to the Father. You don't believe that. When was the last time you said to yourself, I'm going to do the works that Jesus did? Have you ever said that? Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these because I go to the Father. So why don't we say, you know what? One day I am going to do the works that Jesus did. That sound, anybody like the sound of that? It does, doesn't it? 
I believe God, what did we read in Luke, uh, Luke 12, 32? That God delights to give you the kingdom. I believe it's part of his big plan that his church would walk in the same power as the Son. That we would walk in this and we would experience this power proclaiming the kingdom. The kingdom and its authority and its goodness and its power over the darkness. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. We believe in a God who is powerfully good and wants to bring this life to others. And I believe in this day the church of Jesus Christ has to again repent from its slumber to wake up and realize that we are kingdom people, that we have been called to a kingdom that is great. It's not something that's seen and tangible. It's not just about going to church. It's about being in relationship with God who lives in us and wants to do these works through us. That's the provoking thought of the kingdom. And uh, I have a desire that I would love to be able to see. In fact, there's a woman at Stop and Shop in Cheshire who I've seen in town for I know, she used to work at Richland, so if you live in Cheshire, that's how long ago that I know this woman. And she's a sweet lady. I don't know her personally at all, but I've just seen her over the years. She's going like this, and she still works. She's still with a sweet disposition. How are you doing today? So hunched over, pulling those groceries in. And when I read that the other day, Luke Jesus were here and had compassion. He would be right up there with her. I would love to see that reality. So it takes in me practicing some faith and speaking things that the Scripture has said is true, like these verses that I've said to you today. Jesus, God the Father, delights to give me the kingdom. It's in me. The kingdom of God is in me. And I can bring it wherever I go. The kingdom of God is near you, is what Jesus told his followers to say. That Jesus is near to you because I'm bringing him. I'm bringing him with me. And as I'm going close to people, I'm bringing the, the kingdom of God. And it's near to them. And then I have to say to myself that the works that Jesus did, I will do. Because he said it. If you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater than these because I go to the Father. That whole thing in Romans, uh, John 14 is the whole text. And I believe the house that begins with that passage, don't let your heart be troubled in my Father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. And we always think that's future, heaven, eternal, as if eternal is not now. Did you know that when Jesus says you have eternal life, it's present tense? If you think just to have eternal life is that means when you die, you go to heaven, it's a distortion of the reality. Because if you have eternal life, you have it now. Eternal life, it's a quality life, it's a, it's a power life. That you have now. Not just so that when you die, but it's in you now. In this world. 
And so that whole text that I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house, you know how many times Jesus says, do you believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Repeat again and again. Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Father was in Jesus? That's a dwelling place. The Father was dwelling in Jesus. And I am in the Father. So Jesus is a dwelling place. He is going to prepare a room, a dwelling place for us, so that the Father can live in us now. And be in us now. That's kingdom. Us being a son. And it's an, it is a non-gender expression. I mean, in the, in the context of history, the son was the one who got all the rights and privileges. Now, whether you're a male or female, you get the same highest level of rights and privileges in the family of God. It's a good thing. But it's meant for us in the kingdom. So, when Jesus said, the Father's in me and I am in him, I believe this place is for us too, that God would live in us and we in him. And you know, that's, that has to do with something that we, we can't see. And I pray your eyes will be open to grasp those invisible realities. Because right now in this world, we have momentary light affliction and our outward man, the things that we can see, it's perishing, it's getting older. Maybe that's just me. You all agree. You know, we just can't do as much as we used to do in this in this body. You younger people enjoy it while you got it, man. It's like you run and jump and all those things you like to do. But the outward man is perishing. But the point of that passage is the kingdom stuff. That's not who we are. We have an inner man. That in spite of our physical decaying or lack of a loss of abilities, we can still be strong inside. Full of joy and peace inside and righteousness. With a disposition that reflects Christ, even though our outer man is perishing. Because these are momentary afflictions and we are going to be somewhere forever. And so we get that perspective that these things are passing through and that the kingdom stuff is eternal. The last text that I'll just remind you of, I encourage you to read uh, some of the point is in Hebrews 12 and 13, where it talks about the kingdom. We've received some, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But a lot of this world is being shaken. And in our lives, our life experience shakes us so that we would put our hope in what is eternal and not our hope in things that are tangible and temporary, transient, and and fleeting. Also, nothing contrasts our culture more than this idea. We live in a culture that is in the now. It's stuff I can have, I can touch, and feel. And that's where repentance is called for, because in the kingdom of God, it's not about the now, the touching, the satisfying, the senses. In the moment, it is about living for eternity and living above that plane in the kingdom of God. I proclaim to you today this good news, that the kingdom of God is at hand, and that God delights to include you in the kingdom, and he wants to bring you into it. 
that you can share all the authority and rights and privileges of a son and daughter of the king and live in that life. Not only that, he wants to imbue you with power that you could proclaim this good news to others and see the works that Jesus did through your life. As we bring, may your kingdom come. The last verse that we're going to read is from John 3. We're going to close with this. Who has that verse, John 3? There's a couple of verses in there. Thanks. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Clearly he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit Thank you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless you've been born of the Spirit. That famous phrase, you must be born again, comes from this text. But it's not a natural birth. It's a spiritual birth. It's something that happens when our spirit is awakened to see the reality of another kingdom that exists in parallel to where we are today. A spiritual world we're born not of spirit, not of water, as all of us have been born of water here. We come through the womb and the water breaks and we're born. We're born of spirit. It's another nature altogether. Flesh gives birth to flesh. So you will never understand this, the kingdom of God by your human effort. You must rely completely on the spirit of God to walk in the things of the kingdom. And believe me, that takes repentance. Because we're inclined to be natural and rely on ourselves, In the kingdom, we must rely completely on the Spirit. And that's why Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The irony of it comes not, not in those who are strength or competent or beautiful or rich or all of these things. It's none of those things. It's in those who are weak and poor and needy and realize this, that's really true for all of us. That is our natural state when it comes to things in the Spirit, that we are poor, and we need the kingdom. And God is happy to give it to us. I pray that you would live in the kingdom of God as children of the King, with the authority that belongs to the King, and the love that belongs in the kingdom. This is what God intends, I believe, for us in these days. There is no greater time to be imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit than in these days and to walk in the kingdom life. And as good as a meal of food and wine, whatever, the kingdom of God is not food and drink, righteousness, peace, and joy. When we walk in these things, we are satisfied. Let's pray together. Lord, we do confess that we have these impediments about understanding the kingdom, and yet you've called us to walk in it. And I pray in these days in which we live that we would embrace kingdom life, that we would seek and pray that your kingdom, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. And I pray for that woman at Stop and Shop. I pray for your kingdom to come to her heart and life. 
And for other people around us, Lord, we pray that you, we look to you for your power to bring this good news of your kingdom. It's great to live under your rule because you are so good. Thank you for your provision in all things, God. We trust you. May we walk and be kingdom people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.